Welcome to the Talking Recruitment Podcast from the REC. Every week we look at all the latest insights, perspectives and experiences from across our diverse recruitment industry. Hello everyone and a belated Happy New Year from the REC team as we get to the middle of January for this first edition of 2021 of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. Uh, Lots going on over Christmas at the REC. Just before Christmas, we launched our Recruitment Industry Status Report, which gives you all the latest on the size and shape of the industry in the UK in the last completed financial year, whether that's December 2019 or April 2020, but also an important insight into the first six months of the coronavirus restrictions and its impact on the industry. All of that in the status report, which is available on the website to members now, alongside all of our tracking data, report on jobs and jobs outlook. Our latest report on jobs was published on the 8th of uh, January, which showed that actually things were looking pretty good in December before the latest restrictions came into place, return to growth in permanent placement revenue, and also one of the highest rates of growth on the temp side that we've seen in the last few years. So strong underlying position for the labour market as we go into 2021, but obviously a challenging time ahead. We'll see uh, what that looks like from from our job ads tracker, the uh, jobs recovery tracker, which will be coming out on the 15th of January. So uh, one to have a look at there, which will start to measure the impact of, of the latest restrictions on uh, the labour market. Hopefully, though, now we have a route out in terms of the vaccine delivery programme. This is a six to eight week period of restrictions while we get those 15 million critical uh, people vaccinated. And hopefully things start to bounce back from there. We certainly think that there is potential for a strong rebound in the market through the middle of this year. And that's something that we're looking forward to supporting REC members with. Obviously, at the moment, two big issues. The Brexit deal was uh, done on the 24th of December, and uh, we have already uh, been looking in depth at that. We're going on to talk a bit about some of the critical areas of that in today's podcast with our guest, who I'll introduce in a second, and and these new restrictions around coronavirus. Both of those things on Brexit trade and on uh, coronavirus, the hubs on the REC website are the places to go to get all of the latest on what we're doing both with government and our advice. And that's the point where I'd like to stop and introduce our uh, guest for today because advice is at the heart of what we're trying to do for the whole recruitment community here in the UK. And I'm delighted to be joined by the REC's Recruitment Standards Director, Lorraine Larie, to to talk through some of the the critical issues we're getting on the legal helpline and questions from members at the moment. Lorraine, welcome to the pod. Hello. Yes, thank you. Good to be here and uh, good to have a chance to speak to members this afternoon. I suppose it should be you that welcome me because, of course, you were on the first episode of the pod and I didn't make my debut until episode two. So you're you, you're actually a more longstanding uh, member of the pod team than I am. There's lots going on at the moment and I've just sort of set out quite a lot of of questions that we're we're getting from from people, and I, I just wanted to pick up in the discussion today two or three things that are that are really making making members pick up the phone to the legal helpline and seek REC advice. So 
let's start with one of those big themes around Brexit. We talked a lot before uh, Christmas about data protection and the position on data protection for uh, recruitment businesses, not only those who work internationally, but those who maybe work with work with with clients who are international or who have data centers that are outside the UK. What's the position on making sure you stay data compliant post our exit from the single market and the customs union? What do, what should recruit how should recruiters be approaching where they stand today? Okay, yes, thanks. So it's not really surprising to find that data protection is one of the questions that we were, were seeing from, from members, particularly on the REC legal helpline. It was a big issue when GDPR came in in 2018. And so clearly, as we've uh, now left the EU, this is uh, quite a significant issue. I think on the plus side for recruiters and, and businesses generally, the EU-UK trade and cooperation agreement, which was finalised at the end of 2020, does mean that we are able to effectively preserve the the, the rules and the laws around data protection, at least for the next six months. So the provisions relating to GDPR and the UK's Data Protection Act, those provisions will remain in place for six months. This is an interim position while the UK continues to to seek an adequacy decision from the EU. And, you know, we're, we're hopeful to get that adequacy position made. But for the moment, there's no immediate steps that recruiters need to make in respect to uh, GDPR. They can continue to transfer personal data from the, from the UK to the EU. On the other side of this, the UK has recognised the EU as 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 adequate for 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 the time being, at least for the next few years. So it does give us a settled position. But whilst we wait for that adequacy position, it's probably useful to note that the Information Commissioner's Office, that's the the, the entity that enforces data protection provisions, has published some updated guidance on that. We are reviewing that in relation to the template terms and conditions that we provide for REC members, but we have preserved the status quo at least for the next six months at the moment. Thanks, Lorraine. So that's that's really clear. So first things first, you're all right. As long as what you were doing was compliant in December, it's going to be compliant in January through, uh, through June. I think that's what I'm hearing from you, Lorraine. Yes, indeed. But critically, that may not be the case come July and August. So just making sure that that prep work that you might have been doing for any lack of an adequacy agreement is is still in place, not because you need it now, but because you might need it in future. And, and we'll stay we'll stay close to that at the REC over the next few months. And clearly, when I was reading the text of the agreement on the 28th of December, because that's the kind of thing that I like to do on my Christmas holidays, the text clearly anticipates there will be an adequacy decision, so we can hope for the best on this one. By comparison with maybe professional qualifications, where we know there isn't going to be a quick uh, decision and in those areas it's for professional bodies to find to find professional qualification agreements with their sister federations in Europe because at the moment there's no likelihood of professional 
qualification equivalency being established at the trade agreement level, at least for the short to medium term. Unlike that, on data protection, we are in a relatively good position, as we are on the commitment that was given in the agreement to uh, not require establishment of services firms to deliver services inside the EU, which I think is an important other area of making sure that firms can continue to trade in Europe post the ending of the transition period. One of the, the areas, of course, on that that is most challenging, Lorraine, is around right to work for EU citizens. And there is another transition period here in the first half of the year, but uh, based on how you check right to work. And I know it's an area that we've had an awful lot of phone calls from members looking for clarification and guidance on. Do you just want to update us on the situation on that? Yes, and and you're right. This is, you know, it is an area that is proving challenging. And I think the information that business is looking at does sometimes appear to be conflicting. I mean, essentially, the 31st of December saw an end of free movement. And what that means is from 1st of January, any uh, EU nationals who enter the UK from, from that time forward will um, need to go through the new points-based system, require a visa to, to work in the UK. For EU nationals who were in the UK prior to the 31st of, of December, and including the 31st of December, they will be eligible to apply to the EU settlement scheme, which will give them an ongoing right to work in the UK. So those are the two positions then I think what complicates the matter is is what employers, what recruiters need to do to check whether someone that they're going to be taking on has the, the right to work. From the 1st of January this year up until the 30th of June, employers will be be able to continue to review, sorry, to, to use an EU passport um, or identity card as evidence of a person's right to work. Now, obviously, that could mean that they are someone who did enter the UK after the 1st of January, but the, the, those documents continue to be proof of, of, of right to work up until that period. Now, we do expect that the, the right to work documentation will then be updated. Uh, so it's clear what employers will need to check from the 30th of, of June so that there can be some distinction between those who are eligible for the EU settlement scheme and those that, that don't. But for the interim, the key thing is that employers can continue to accept and EU passport or identity card as, as a right to work document. I think where employers and recruiters will need to take care, however, is although that, that will provide evidence of right to work and will provide a defence if it turns out the person didn't have the right to work and it, it helped the employer to avoid a statutory penalty, if it becomes evident, so there's knowledge that a person doesn't have the right to work. So if, for example, the employer recruiter is made aware that a person did enter the UK after, sorry, on or after the 1st of January, so it's, it's, it's known that they don't have the right to work if they haven't applied to the EU settlement scheme, then that could give rise to issues around the criminal offence of knowingly employing someone who doesn't have the right to work. So that, that's a tricky area to, to, to be managed. And I, I think it is going to be challenging until we get to the 30th of June and see what the fuller right to work checks will look like beyond that date. 
of course a critical part of that is the work that our colleagues on the REC campaign side are doing to simplify right to work checks as far as possible and to keep them online having ha having uh, moved lots of them online at the beginning of the pandemic as well. Yes indeed and we have been producing a lot of materials for, for members to, to, to clarify this. The the other part of course which I also need to, to add is that as well as EU nationals needing to apply for visas it'll be necessary for employers to apply for a license to sponsor EU nationals in the same way as they've had to sponsor nationals from other countries. So being able to apply for a licence to sponsor an issue sponsorship will be a new challenge. I think part of the work that colleagues in our campaigns team is, has been have been working on is just seeking that clarification on the, the ability and the processes for employment businesses that supply temporary workers to, 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 to be able to apply for licences to sponsor and whether they'll be able to do that and how that will need to be done. Yeah, and I think, of course really important to remember that for temporary workers at the moment it's not possible for a an agency to be a, a sponsor for their temporary staff and and therefore there are some challenges there that we'll need to address going forward and particularly looking at some of the shortage sectors that aren't covered by things like the the new form of the seasonal agricultural scheme particularly around sectors like logistics there's a lot of work still to do to get to get this system on right to work right and equally so going out of the country for our own staff going into the european union where of course we're dealing with a significantly more diverse picture because there are different there will be different rules in each of the 27 member states for those areas that aren't covered by the deal. Also thinking about how much uh, someone from one of our businesses is able to do to to really make sure, uh, able to do when they're on a, a visit to make sure that they uh, remain able to conduct business inside the European Union and, uh, and deliver services, which is something that the deal certainly makes a statement about how it uh, can support people. Uh, the deal certainly makes a statement about its uh, willingness to encourage that to happen, but unfortunately it says very little about how it's going to enable that to happen. And I think it's very clear from talking to trade ministers, as I have just this week, about about this, that services trade is a has to be a number one UK priority. And one of the challenges will be getting agreement with Europe to talk about services in the months and years to come. But it's something that we will continue to pick up on at uh, the REC. All of this, of course, in greater detail on the REC Brexit Hub. And also you might like to check out the recording of our Brexit Realities webinar, which is also available for members on the website. Lorraine, before we let you escape, I think we should have a, a quick chat about some of the impacts of the coronavirus restrictions on the industry. And I know in particular, we've had a lot of questions from members about the requirement to close offices and the extent to which recruiters are protected by some of the key worker thinking. Could you just set out where we believe the balance of guidance and regulation is for recruitment businesses right now? Because I think it's really important to support members to get their health and safety right. 
Yes, of course. So as we saw from the Prime Minister's announcement in, in, in January, we've England has now gone into what's referred to as a full national lockdown. It's slightly different to the lockdown that we had the first time round last year. And Scotland is in a, in a similar position. There are that the legislation does list very specifically businesses that uh, do need to close, for example, in the hospitality industry, gyms and, and so forth. But the, the rules for each of us as, in, as individuals is that we uh, must stay at home and we're only allowed to leave home for certain legal reasons. And whilst that does include going to, to work, it's really if it's only not reasonable for, for individuals to to work from home. The other changes that have been made in the workplace is the the, the one metre rule. So initially last year there was a, a two metre rule that was in, introduced in workplace and that was reduced to, to one metre. That's been increased back to, to two metres. So employers across the board, recruiters included, do really need to look at the, the, the measures they can put in place for, for individuals to work from home. So that's that's one side of it. We still have the job retention scheme, which last year was extended to, to run to the end of April. And certainly given now that schools have also closed, the eligibility for payments from the scheme has been more clearly extended to employees who are not able to work from home if, for example, they're having to do homeschooling, look after children who are now not at school. So we're back into a lockdown with, with some changes. I think connected with covid an area that we'll be looking ahead to, I think, as a, as a nation is how the impact of vaccinations, what the impact of the, the vaccination rollout will look, look like. Um, obviously, to start with, the priorities on the vaccination list is older people, but also those working in care homes and in, in healthcare. And certainly for a lot of our members who operate in that sector, there's been a big question about how they could, how they would make sure that their agency workers would have access to those vaccinations when it's rolled out for the rest of the, the healthcare workforce. You know, I think it's a piece of work that the campaigns team have really been uh, pressing on in working with the Department for Health to secure clarity that when health trusts are carrying out their vaccination programmes that they should include agency workers in that programme, which I think is, is really key for those of our members that are operating in that space. Thanks, Lorraine. And yeah, it was really good to get uh, acknowledgement pretty quickly from DOH in response to the pressure that we put on that certainly for health and social care workers, agency workers should receive the vaccine with the same priority as substantive staff. I think the the challenge will be of course making sure that also applies across education and some of the other areas we could expect as the vaccination programme really ramps up to see other sets of key workers brought in. So clear focus probably the first time in the crisis where the economic and health priorities have with real clarity been the same thing, get the vaccination programme done. And I think making sure that agency workers are properly protected and properly prioritised in that in that process is really important to us. And thank you again for the, the clarity on the question of closures 
as well. It is really important to make sure that we are all compliant with the lockdowns that are relevant to the part of the United Kingdom that we are in right now. It is a challenging period, especially for those staff who are having to home educate as well as get work done a bit different this time to last March and April. And I, 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 certainly my experience as a home educating parent, and I know yours too, Lorraine, is that the, the structure of home education is a lot more rigorous this time round. And I think that from our perspective as working parents, that creates a demand on the broadband. It also creates a different working pattern for many people. And I just finish on this by recalling that the the point that I've made a few times in on this pod and elsewhere, which is in this final sprint to getting the vaccine out and getting out of this uh, corona crisis, let's not lose the humanity and the care and kindness which has got us this far. Because actually, if you look at our recruitment industry status report, if you look at our report on jobs, what we see is an industry that's really stepped up through this period of crisis. And it has been tough, but actually we're seeing uh, real delivery across the industry. And I think that we're set up for a good 2021 if we can get through this sharp period. As I said earlier, though, all the latest from us on the coronavirus, on the coronavirus hub on the REC website, same with the Brexit hub. Lorraine, the legal helpline always available for REC members. Indeed, indeed. And uh, we are, you know, dealing with queries on all of these topics and and others beyond. Uh, it, it's always also pleasing to see some of the run of the mill recruitment stuff coming in, as well as, uh, you know, the traffic on these key areas. So, yes, very busy there. Well, thank you for for joining us, Lorraine, and I couldn't agree more. There was a, a great moment last summer when we suddenly started getting questions about the key information document again, and we thought, phew, that means the market's on the way back. And that was cheering for us, and I know cheering for, for all of you. This year still has the potential to be a real year of real opportunity and growth for the industry. And as we've said across REC comes into the new year. It's our job to be at your back and at your side as recruiters as you take those opportunities. The REC is, after all, your organisation. So do get in touch with any questions you have. Let us know anything that you particularly want to see the REC focused on. And we can always make sure that these podcasts, the webinars we do and everything else is available and shaped to meet your needs as we go into what hopefully by the middle of the year we'll call an exciting new set of opportunities having come through this crisis with resilience. So thank you for joining us again, Lorraine. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you. And thank you to all of you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of the REC podcast, why not check out one of our previous ones just before Christmas? We went through in detail that recruitment industry status report that uh, I talked about earlier. That's available on episode 47 of the podcast with myself and Kate Shoesmith. Episode 46 on flexibility and how we can make it work as we normalise after the crisis with Emma Stewart the co-founder and then chief executive of TimeWise is also a cracking list and that's episode 46. So why not check those out if you would like a little more REC podcast action before we're back with you with another episode of Talking Recruitment. But thank you again for joining us and I'll look forward to uh, you joining us again soon. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Join me for another episode soon. 
and check out our back catalogue at rec.uk.com to catch up on some other fantastic discussions that are really helpful for recruiters. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, so subscribe to REC Podcasts to never miss an episode.